Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour History. I'm your host, Professor Natalie Harpin. Today, I wanted to talk about community, capital C, community, because I think that definitely it's something that there are people who have advocated for, but I don't think that a lot of people are used to thinking in terms of community because our country is very much run by a system of the individual. So, you know, me, not me, Natalie, but me as a concept and we as a nuclear family. And that makes sense with regard to the history of the country and how, especially after World War II, the United States really created a system, and I mean the system and institution, by which the nuclear family was positioned as the family. So having, you know, two parents or just, you know, living with your nuclear family, so a parent, the children, and that be it, right? Living in a single family home, having property that was yours, that was fenced off, like a lot of those things really took off and our media replicated and kept reinforcing the idea that that was how Americans were expected to live and that is what we should all aspire toward. I have seen some things where, you know, there have been people who've been talking about a looming recession, which the estimations is that it would be within the fall. And the reason why I'm talking about that today is because this week is sort of the beginning of the fall term for educators. So a lot of us, not if you're at a year round school and you're, you know, in a K through 12 system, but for those of us who are post-secondary educators, so college educators, especially at the two-year level, this is when we're gearing up to go back to work. So we're having professional development workshops that we attend. We are preparing our syllabi for the fall instruction. And the four-year schools are going to be starting around now and then in the next few weeks if they run on a quarter system. So I think that for many people, it has been drilled into us as Americans that we should you know, only consider the people who are our nuclear family as being people that we should be concerned about. But with the concern over a looming recession, or at least some sort of an economic collapse, largely due to the fact that we've had in hyperinflation, I won't even say inflation, it's been hyperinflation, things have been going up exponentially, gas, other, th- you know, food. So we're going to have to get to more to a point, I think, as a country, and as individuals where we think about the collective unit and think about opening up our networks of support and making sure that we're able to support other people. So that's going to look different depending on where you are and what your skill set is. So for like myself, I am not to my knowledge, right? Because I've done actually pretty good growing my houseplants, which has surprised me. But I didn't used to be good at growing anything. Like I could grow a cactus, right? Because it doesn't require any maintenance. But I wouldn't think that I'm somebody who would should be in charge of growing food. Now, my husband, he's great at that kind of stuff. He's really good at monitoring, you know, moisture and soil and paying attention to the needs of the plant. And like he would be good at growing food. But when you're thinking about networks of support, it can also mean people who are navigating even things that would be considered like holistic medicine. So 
getting in touch with people who can practice or who can practition acupuncture or chiropractic services, people who have farm animals. So maybe even something as basic as chickens, right? That you can get your eggs from without paying the exponential prices at the grocery store. None of us have an oil siphon in our backyard. So we're kind of, you know, at a loss for that. But, you know, I was thinking about even for myself, so I can sew, right? So if you had a situation, not you listening necessarily, but if you know people in your life who are good at doing things like mending clothing, that could be something that you may, you know, a service that you may barter, trade, or ask them to provide you for a fee so that you can both mutually benefit from, you know, what it is you need. So having people in your network who are herbalists, like I have a friend in Georgia, hey Chelsea, who is an herbalist. So she is really great at botany and growing things and making her own, you know, her own herbal medicine. So in the event that I had an issue that I could not go to the doctor, could not afford to go to the doctor, or if I know somebody who has an issue where they wanted to or needed to turn to plant medicine, I would be able to put them in touch with her and she could mail them whatever it is that they needed, right? So I think that a lot of people need to think about just considering the communities that they're in and how they themselves could be helpful within that community. And I think that for a lot of us, we think about things like, oh, you know, I have, I'm trying to think of like how I would say this, but that we have friend networks, right? And that's part of it. Definitely, because, you know, having friendship networks gives you emotional support. You know, it may also be someone who you know that you could trust to leave your children with if you ever needed to. But it it goes beyond just the relationship of being friends, right? It's also being able to trust that they can come through for you in some way if you needed them to. And like I said, it's not anybody's fault that we it's not even our fault that we don't have these skill sets anymore, right? Because if you think about it, (laughs) a lot of the education that facilitated people having this type of instruction so that they could implement it into their daily lives has gone away or it's become very specialized education. So when I was in middle school, for example, when I was in middle school, we, we had a home ec class, but I was in a department of defense funded school. So there wasn't an issue of how are they going to buy 30 sewing machines or how are they going to buy enough fabric for everyone to learn how to make stuff. Like we have the funding. And what I mean by that is that most people today cannot take a home ec class. So that would be something where you'd have more people who would be able to do a basic sewing exercise, even if it's mending something, maybe making something simple like a pair of pants, a shirt, something that you know you could easily put together if you needed to in the event that you did not have the funding to purchase clothes or could not purchase them at elevated prices. That's an important skill set. Even cooking. I mean, I know a lot of us do cook, but having access to certain spices, right? If you know somebody who is a cook, they may be able to help you get things at a discounted price, tell you where things are, because they have that knowledge set. They know where to go to get materials. So 
hopefully this is something that society will be able to navigate. It's not, you know, if, if it happens, if the recession happens, I mean, they've been talking about it for years. So in the, when the next one happens, no matter when it happens, because they, they go in cycles, right? So we've, we have recessions, we have times of abundance, you know, these are just ebbs and flows of a capitalist society. But when it does happen, it's especially hard on people, I think, maybe more so now than 50 or 60 years ago, because we have gotten so used to just working from the nuclear family model. And, you know, I'll say that even at the start of the pandemic, when everything started shutting down in mid-2020, I was without toilet paper. <laughs> I had not gone to Target. I don't. I think, however it was, I usually go at the end of the month to sort of restock the paper supplies and the cleaning supplies for the house. But I hadn't done that yet. Like it was at a time where I wasn't expecting to, I wasn't expecting that the stores were going to be closed. And so I reached out to a friend of mine, Samantha, who's a baker, because she had extra toilet paper. And so she was like, yeah, you know, come pick it up. And so she gave me like a four, a pack of four toilet paper. So even small things like that, right? Like letting people know what you have in surplus that you could get to them. Those are things that are possible through friend networks. But again, we have to, we have to get to a place where we are willing and able to assist people with the surplus that we do have. And I think that having those networks of support are definitely going to be beneficial whenever for everybody, whenever the next recession happens. And I think part of that is going to have to be people just getting honest about what it is that they need for support. I think that social media, and again, there is something to say historically about this, that because we have focused so much as Americans on the me and the we and just the nuclear family, a lot of people, and especially coupled with social media in the last 10 years, a lot of people are uncomfortable letting it be known what they need, especially if they can't receive that support in their immediate social circle or immediate family network. And so what I mean by that is if I was too embarrassed to tell Samantha, hey, I don't have any toilet paper. Is it okay if I come get one of the rolls that one of the four packs that you're offering people who you know? If she hadn't said that she had it, I wouldn't have known where to get it. But I also had to be willing to say, hey, like I need this. Is it okay if I come get it? And of course she said, yeah. And I would have done the same thing. But I think that a lot of people have to be willing to say, I need these things. I need this support in this way, right? I need diapers. I need toilet papers. And if we open up our networks of support that way, if I were going to go to the, if I were going to the store and I saw, okay, thinking back to again, 2020 and I see, oh, they have all these Lysol wipe canisters. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, Target's only going to let me buy two or three. I need one. Who do I know who also needs them? And then just getting the other two, right? That's the max, but then giving those other two to people who I know need them. That happened with, a. A friend of mine who used to live nearby and he didn't have any Lysol wipes and he runs a business. And I had, I had just gotten like a three pack. I was able to order it through Amazon. It, you know, one of those random times where a stock became available and then I was able to get it shipped. So I took him over one of the packs because he needed it for his business. So things like that, 
and I want to, you know, reiterate that I think maybe, I don't know exactly how it would come down to generationally, especially because I'm a, I'm a millennial, but I, I'm like a latter millennial. So I'm like toward the end of the millennial age range of the year span, but we didn't grow up with social media. Like we didn't come into adulthood and, you know, our, at the end of our adolescence, having the easily available internet or having social media apps and things like that. So I'm wondering maybe if the younger generation is more likely to make their needs known. I've noticed that among people who are in their 20s that I've seen who need assistance, that they've been more vocal online about needing that assistance than I think that people my age or even a little bit older have been. And I think part of that is just familiarity with the internet, but I would definitely advocate everybody to sort of check in with the people in their network and sort of also... One thing I did was I went through and did an inventory list of the canned food that I have, you know, just taking a second to look at what I have and thinking about, okay, like in the event that somebody needs X, Y, Z, I need to know what I have so I know how I can help. And I would encourage all of us to do that. And with all this being said, I'm not advocating that you create networks of support that are not genuine, because I think that that would also be a negative byproduct of that me, I, you know, slash nuclear family model is that if you don't have any support within your everyday networks, that you, if you know of somebody who does have something that you need, that you would try to establish a relationship with them only for your benefit. And that's wrong. I think that that's one of the other negative things that's come about with the way American society has has positioned itself with regard to how we think about ourselves, our families, and also the way our entertainment is fed to us in this country. It's it's very much that it's okay to be selfish and it's okay to use people. And I think that that's completely wrong. But what I would say is that for people who think that they may want to improve on a skill set that they... I'm advocating that you look over at your local junior college or local community college and see what free classes, because a lot of them are free, that they are able to offer to help you improve that skill set. So many community colleges have sewing classes, have cooking classes, they have other skill set classes that you could learn, take over the summer, take over a few weeks, well, it's the end of summer, so that you could take during the fall, that you could take in the span of a few weeks, that would help you improve your skill set in the event that you needed to make yourself available to your local, you know, your, excuse me, your community network, even if it's not local. Because like I said, I have a friend who's an herbalist, but she's in Georgia, so she's not local, but there is a way for us to communicate via, you know, the phone, and there's a way for us to exchange what it is that we have or need between each other. And with that being said, I think it's interesting how we as a country have really devalued the type of labor and the type of knowledge, and I should say knowledge, the type of knowledge that really helps a society move and that is required for a society to thrive or communities to thrive, right? So most of us don't know anybody who works in agricultural farming, Many of us don't know people who are professional seamstresses or cobblers. Most of us don't know people who have the basic knowledges, the basic knowledge 
of just, you know, everyday things that we think of as mundane or that we don't have to think about because we have definitely in this country moved to a space where we don't grow our own food, right? We go to the grocery store and the chicken is already, you know, plucked and cut and killed and drained, the beef the same way, the eggs are already prepackaged. The, you know, vegetables have already been, you know, cut and arranged for us to just come pick them up. If our jeans rip or if our something happens to our, you know, clothing, we can just throw it out and get something else. And like I said, a lot of this took off after World War II, during, during, no, after, I would say after the World War II era, and has moved the consumerism that we've seen amp up in the last what, 60 years in this country has largely been because of the efforts in the post-World War II era. And it's really sad because, of course, like I said, those things are necessary. So growing food is necessary. And it's easy in a place like California because, you know, you can drive on a road in certain parts of even San Diego and you can find someone selling produce on the side of the, on the side of the road, but that's not possible in all parts of the state. And it's not possible in many other states to get those things, right? Or if they are available, they are going to be much more expensive. So being able to have the knowledge to grow some of your own food is important. And actually how a lot of state laws have been changed that make it legal or illegal to be able to grow your produce or other food or to, you know, maintain your own sort of a garden. A lot of that stuff is embedded within HOAs, which are homeowners associations or city ordinances, private complexes, like there are rules surrounding that. So I would say definitely look into the rules of where you live. If you live in a complex the laws in your given city surrounding what you can do even with your own front or backyard in the event that you wanted to. I remember that many years ago, I had read an article about a man and I want to say it was in the Northern Midwest and he built a, a wind turbine on his property and he was powering his whole house with his own like wind turbine, like his own big fan. Like if, I don't know what they're called, but if you've driven up to Palm Springs and you know what I'm talking about, like those big white towers with the, you know, the oscillating fan looking thing, but he built his own and the city imprisoned him. Like they came and you know, he they said, well, you have to dig it up. And it was on his own property. He paid for the materials himself and they jailed him until his wife was able to have a contractor come out and dig up the platform, like the base that they used to build it. So they wanted to make sure that not only did he turn it off, but that he get rid of his ability to build it up again if he wanted to. And I think when I read that article many years ago, I was thinking, okay, like this is bad, but it's important that all of us know what we can and can't do. And in the event that we're able to advocate for the city to change some of those rules, that we do so. Because there's no reason why this man should have been jailed for producing his own green energy. But when you think about, actually, I should talk about that. But when you think about the the way the city operates and the businesses that make their money, right? They need us to be in constant consumption. And I was just thinking like right now when I was thinking, oh, I should talk about that, was how I've seen a lot of ads on YouTube that have been talking about 
oh, well, do you want to buy solar panels? Oh, well, you don't need to. You know, you can let the government buy it for you or you can let the the power companies buy it for you. And I know that locally, the gas and electric company down here, that they have offered people who own a home to build solar panels on top of their house. And I know at first you'd think, okay, well, this is a nice gesture, right? Because then they can make sure that people have the ability to get green energy. And, you know, for most people, you know, they don't have the money to pay for it to be privately put on, but there's a caveat to that. The electric company now owns your solar panels. And even though your house has been pulling energy from the sun, which is great, and storing it, they can still charge you whatever rate they want to get that energy from the panels to your home, right? So it sounds like it's a great measure on the part of the um, electric company to put the panels on for you and not charge you anything or, you know, if anything at all, it's very little, but then they own the panels on top of your home. So they can still charge you. And as we get more toward sustainable energy and as we get more toward people having solar panels and them making office buildings, because there's a lot of great solar panel technology where it can just grab the sun at all times and you know it can be on windows without it obstructing view or visibility and things like that. And especially as people as homes are built for people where they're part of the community, it's important, I would say, to invest in that if you're able to. Because if you don't own your solar panels, they can charge you to still tap into that energy. And the gas and electric companies have ha- have to find a new way to make money now that they're not going to be able to charge so many people for the energy that we've been getting through power lines, right? And then metering that. They can't charge you all that. So they have they are already adapting and it's under the guise of giving you free or very low cost solar panels, they're already adapting into how they're going to continue to make money as an enterprise so that they don't have to lay people off so that they can continue to run their business. They're just they're already ahead of the game in that respect. And again, for most of us, it just sounds like, oh, yeah, I can get free solar panels from the gas and electric company. It's like, no, (laughs) if you're able to put it on credit and have and own the panels yourself, have it privately owned. That way they can't charge you for any of that, the, the power that you get from your own panels. And I think the last thing I'll say about community is that especially as the Supreme Court is, and I've talked about this before, but especially as the Supreme Court is taking away federal rights and leaving it up to the states, it's going to be even more important to be able to support people in areas where they can no longer get support from their local government or their local community the way that they were because of changes in the laws. So we all need to be, you know, on top of states laws and how they and how they have been changed, amended, etc. so that we can support people in other areas. So that's all I wanted to talk about for today. It's going to be pretty short. Like I said, it's toward the end of summer. You know, I won't concede summer's over because we have until just about the end of September, which is when fall starts, but it's the end of summer with regard to school not being in session. So I wanted to make this one pretty short, but I did want to talk about that briefly. So thank you everyone for listening as always. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye.